episode 42, Joe, and might I say, probably my favorite one that we've done of all 42. The brackets are out. The games start on Thursday, technically the first four, and then the round of 64 begins on Friday and Saturday. I'll be at a wedding. I'm not happy about it. (laughs) I've been sweating about that for two months, but I'm going to try and watch as much as I can. When the brackets came out and we were looking at guys we wanted to have on for this week, we both were like Travis Thomas. And we knew it would be a good conversation. It did not disappoint. That interview with Travis coming up next. You see these big old smiles on all of our faces. That's because we are joined this week by Travis Thomas. You remember him from the summer. Now one of the radio hosts at the Team 980 in D.C. You still Do you still have your uh, podcast or did you have to give that up with the radio show? I actually wasn't clear about that. Which one? I have 20 podcasts. Got, I, that's what I'm saying. I lose track. You are the busiest <laughs> man in D.C. I lose track. I lose track. No, I um, – so I, I had the Santana Moss Show podcast. I had a, a sports betting podcast with Michael Jenkins. I've hosted numerous podcasts. I've been a co-host on numerous podcasts. I've been a guest on numerous podcasts. That, I can't the, keep track the one, with Jenks, the one with Jenks is the one I meant. Are you still got? Are you guys still doing that one? No. So Jinx has a new job that I cannot announce yet. All right. All right. He hasn't announced it. Uh, so he's been busy with that. And then I'm doing the show. And actually, my radio show is podcasted. Uh, so you can go check that, that that out if you're out of market in D.C. and you can't listen to the Team 980. So, so that I've already done. Busy. <laughs> so, so that I've already done. I've already got the podcast of your radio show. I just wasn't sure, man, because like, I haven't seen it in a little bit. And I'm like, I know you're always busy with so much, but. All right, good to know for anybody else. You can go check out his Team 80 podcast because everybody needs a little more Trav in their life. And we all need a little bit more college basketball in our lives, especially after not having it last year. First two days of March Madness coming up. Are they your favorite two days of the year? Oh, no question. Two consecutive days back to back. It is. I was just telling you guys before we got on air, this year's different, obviously, because we have the play-in games and all that. It doesn't have the same vibe as – the game starting at noon to midnight, essentially. Uh, but look, you know, I had to compromise a little bit. My wife was like, hey, since we're not doing the <laughs> Thursday March Madness all day extravaganza where you get hammered, how about you just stay sober and go pick up the kids, daddy-o, and dinner while you're at it? I'm like, okay, great. So I can't wait for tomorrow to get here and we get the real games popping off. So she leaves me alone. And Joe course, and I, Joe and I were curious, Trav. Like this week, when you're doing your radio show, were more people calling in about the Fitzpatrick stuff and now Curtis Samuel, or was it more March Madness calls for you? Well, the beauty of my show is I talk everything, and so I get calls on everything. But I will say this: I could literally just go on air and say Washington football team, <laughs> give out the number, and I'll get calls. So right. It, I mean, honestly, this city's just feels dominated by football to me. Uh, and, and boy, has the Washington football team been busy this week. So yeah, they I'm, do mostly, nice I'm mostly taking calls on the football team, but I've been talking March Madness a ton. So I get hey, some that's going to change. Madness. That's going to change in the next couple of days, though. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. Listen, every day I wake up, the Washington football team has signed someone else late night. Like, <laughs> what is this? Like, booty call time <laughs> Like, what are we doing? So, who knows? I could wake up tomorrow and they sign some tight end or another receiver or offensive lineman, and then my show's dominated by that. Today, we talked about uh, Chris Samuel a lot. Yep. You know? So, I, I mean, uh, Curtis Samuel. So, who knows? 
hopefully tomorrow, uh, most of the calls are asking my picks for the bracket and all that, but you just never know in this town. Well, this pod, we promise you, starting right now, will be all March Madness based. Um, when you got the all bracket, hopes. when you got the bracket out and you saw it, what was what was the first thing that caught your eye? Well, I don't know. I haven't really seen a bracket yet. I only have <laughs> 17 of these laying around. Um, the first thing that caught my eye, well, it wasn't really the, the bracket per se. It was I was watching the uh, selection show, just like you guys and everyone else who loves this. And what's interesting, PJ, you'll love this, is every year I do this to myself. In fact, I'm pretty sure you've probably been a part of this where I watch the selection show, I have a ton of initial thoughts, and I'll write them all down. I'll like take notes, right? And then as the week goes on and we get closer to, to Thursday or in this, this year, Friday, I'll change my mind or I'll overthink something or I'll overanalyze something. I second guess myself. And out of those initial notes, half of them, I just, I trash them, right? And, I, and I'll focus in on five or six bets. Uh, I did not do that this year. This time I watched the selection show, all my initial feelings uh, I wrote down and I've stuck with them and I bet on them. The first thing I thought, to be honest with you, uh, I thought Oklahoma State, they were a little underseated. Oh, absolutely. They were. Um, that one made no sense to me. And, and Joe Lenardi yeah. said the same thing. It was such an easy fix. They beat West Virginia. They're both uh, in the same conference. Just make West Virginia a four and Oklahoma State a three. And they're in the same region of the bracket. Like, it was such an easy fix. It yeah. made no sense. Yeah, I thought that was weird. The other one was, um, you know, I, I thought Purdue, other than being in there with Baylor, obviously – uh, I thought Purdue had a pretty good route to get to Sweet 16, a uh, pretty easy route to get to the Sweet 16. That's one of those teams, you know, when Purdue has zero expectations, I've made a lot of money on them in the past. Mm -hmm. And when they have expectations, they've costed me money. Mm -hmm. This year, they kind of feel middle of the pack. I don't think a lot of people are talking about them. But at the same time, um, I mean, you know, I could see them making a deep run or getting bounced. But so so they were already in my head. And as the brackets were being announced, I said, oh, you know, honestly, until they get to that sweet 16 range, I don't see anyone beating Purdue, especially with that size with Eddie in the middle. Um, and that was really it. And then just a slurp fest for Gonzaga. But, you know, that's been happening forever. And I said this on my show, guys, if Gonzaga doesn't win it this year, they never, ever, ever will win it ever. And if they don't win it this year, Trav, you know with how we think, I'm betting them next year to win it because that's, <laughs> that's how it's going to work. That's, that's what I've been telling people. I'm like, they're my champion this year. If they don't win it, I'm coming right back with them and, next and, year. And that was one of the things that stuck out to me the most on Selection Day. And this is one of those like weird episodes. You know, Every week we usually film guests and then PJ and I film, will film our segment. This week with scheduling, we filmed our segment and then we're filming yours. So anybody listen to the podcast, you're going to hear us probably rehash some things now that you're here later in the podcast and just, and just, just roll with it, just roll with it. But one thing that we will get to talking about is that was both PJ and I's first reaction is the committee gifted Gonzaga the easiest possible path. They're going to play Oklahoma, Mizzou, who are the two – teams that backed into the tournament more than any other Oklahoma State's lost uh, excuse me Oklahoma's lost four in a row um, Mizzou's lost six of their last nine and then we think they're going to play Ohio in the next round PJ and I will get to that with you in a second Ooh. we think they're playing Ohio then and then from there I have them against Oregon 
PJ's got them against an Iowa team that they already got, they already smoked this year, and then it's the Final Four. So they have an easy, easy path. Hey, uh, John Preston on Ohio is a gamer. That kid can play. Um, Joe, I want to go back to something PJ said. This kid has been telling me for years when a team with all the hype loses uh, or gets shocked in the first round or upset by whoever or Cinderella beats them, the next year, take the future on them to win the championship. And I used to laugh at him. But you know what? He's absolutely right. I watched it happen in our time of friendship with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I watched it happen with UVA. I was still counting money from UMBC covering against UVA. And this kid's telling me, I'm picking UVA to win next year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, how about even, how about the Dodgers, right? When they lost to the Nats in that game five and everybody's like, are the Dodgers? And then here they are. So that's, that's why I'm a little worried about Gonzaga because everybody's all in on them this year. They're like, something just feels different about them. So maybe they lose this year and win it next year. But uh, just what do you think of, Gonzaga I know you obviously like him a lot but do you think Suggs really is that missing piece kind of what Mookie was to the Dodgers is he kind of what you know kind of completes their team that's a great question listen Suggs is a gamer uh he's gonna stand out in this tournament he's gonna be great in the NBA I'm personally like Kate Cuttingham a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh but but Suggs is fantastic I cannot deny or take anything away from him I'm not buying Gonzaga, and it's twofold. One is history. Mm. So for me personally, I mean, I've been like everyone else and picking Gonzaga for years, and they just come up short. What's interesting is, and I told this story this week on my show, um, and maybe it's only funny to me, but I was in college when they had Adam Morrison on that that team. And we all know the famous scene of him on the court crying, we lost, ah." (laughs) right? And so... I had them winning uh, my bracket, just like everyone else that year. I mean, it was similar to this one. That team was supposed to be unbeatable, right? And so they lose to whoever. And um, I had a Nokia flip phone (laughs) filled with Soldier Boy ringtones. And I was so angry. I was so angry, guys. I chucked my phone against the wall, and it went into a thousand pieces. I thought Nokias weren't supposed to break. That whole meme is a lie. That whole meme is a lie. Or either that or you got super strength. I was so angry at Gonzaga. I was the only one to ever break a Nokia phone. Oh, my God. So, um, listen, I, I just – the second part of it is, for me, I'm a guy that believes in being battle-tested. I always like betting on the teams that come out of tough divisions, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, I mean, it just is what it is in every sport. I don't care if it's hockey. We see it here in town with the Caps. I mean, my God, that division is brutal that they play in. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Caps or the Islanders go to the Stanley Cup just because of that division. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way in, in football. Uh, SEC comes to mind, PJ. I mean, teams that play in real conferences are battle-tested when you get in moments like this. Mm-hmm. I just can't buy Gonzaga playing all those cream puffs. I used to date a girl that went to St. Mary's. She was a Gale. And she told me every year the same thing. This is a year Gales are going to beat Gonzaga, except that they never did. I mean, seriously, we broke up. I got married. I have two kids and they still never beat Gonzaga. So <laughs> I just can't buy it. They don't play anyone. And, and when you saw them in their um, conference uh, championship against BYU, BYU punched them right in the mouth. Should have won that game, quite frankly. Yeah. Now, give credit to Gonzaga for getting it done. But I'm just like, that's BYU. 
what's going to happen when you run into a Iowa or a, mm-hmm. a, a, or maybe a Bama in the Final Four? Um, maybe someone before that. I mean, I, I'm just not buying it this year. And, and that was one thing PJ and I talked about. We thought Gonzaga would be most vulnerable in the second round if they were to have to face someone like a um, – you look around at the other eight nines, they're much better than the two eight nines they're paired up with. So they get lucky in that aspect. But depending on how things go, they might not really face that true big test until the Elite Eight against a team like Iowa, who they already smoked this year. So that's the one thing that, I, that PJ and I agree on as far as them just getting to the Final Four. But with that, uh, your, I guess I, they still gave the region's names this year, even though they're all in the same place. But your upper left quadrant of the bracket, take us through it. Listen, I, I, after I said all that, I do have Gonzaga in the Final Four. I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see anyone in there that I think can beat them. I see a lot of teams that could cover, uh, but I think Gonzaga will get through. Ultimately, you know, I have them beating Oklahoma, Creighton, and Iowa to get there. Um, I'm not buying Oklahoma or Mizzou. You can make the case that both of these teams are a waste of all of our time. I think Oklahoma maybe would give them a better shot. Uh, Then I have Creighton. I, I think that coach is a racist idiot, but... Uh, that's a good team. It's a tough team. They can shoot uh, with the exception of the Georgetown game. I liked what I've seen from Creighton all year. Uh, and, and UVA is a mess. They might not even beat Ohio to your point, but I do have UVA winning that game and I have Creighton beating them. And then Gonzaga should, uh, you know, be able to handle whether it's Iowa, Kansas, whoever you kind of believe comes out of that. I have Iowa beating Kansas in the Sweet 16 and then uh, Gonzaga beating Iowa to get to the Final Four. Now, you are Moneyline Trav. I love calling you that. (laughs) So if you did have an upset that you would sprinkle in that region, would it be Ohio or would it be UCSB? No, I actually – I don't know when this is going to air, but I I have uh, Wichita State beating Drake. Okay. And then uh, Wichita State beating USC. Interesting. I now, do like the winner of that game possibly beating USC. I like that. And, and, and here's what's funny. So, and I'll, I'll probably repeat myself in this podcast, but uh, I'm married to a Bruin alum. So I unfortunately watch a lot of <laughs> Pac-12 basketball. Uh, outside of USC's big man, I'm not really that impressed with that team. Uh, UCLA don't even get me started. I don't think they beat Sparty tonight, but like I said, we don't need to go there because I don't know when this airs, but, <laughs> and I'll probably look like a fool if I get all these wrong, but uh, I guess that's really my only one. I, I think Wichita state just kind of going back to the conference thing and they have that, that tournament pedigree as well uh, over the years. I believe in that brand. Some of this stuff is, is the brand too. And trusting kind of goes back to my Gonzaga thing. They haven't done it. Okay. Right. So I can't believe in them until they do it. Uh, they're going to be this great team that goes undefeated for the first time since forever and smoke everybody, please. I've heard that before. Ask Nokia. So <laughs> and I'm just not buying it. So that's really my only one in that upper left quadrant is uh, I have Wichita state knocking off a few people. And then okay. just going down from there to PJ's PJ's home region here and my home region, because we got a possible date in the second round. PJ and I got Maryland and Bama in that lower left. Uh, so we'll take you right there into that part of the bracket. Well, I have you guys dating in the second round. Yeah, so do I. Joe, you're not going to like this. I think you guys uh, – I think Bama smokes you. Um, I got UConn beating us, so I got low expectations. So. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Don't cool. worry about hurting my feelings. <laughs> We're all good. Um, 
Yeah, I, I actually have Bama and FSU uh, playing for the right to go to the Final Four. Those are two teams I bet on this season. Bama was ha- kind of happenstance. Uh, they were just beating everyone. And I kept waiting for uh, Kentucky. And, um, you know, honestly, even Tennessee to a certain extent uh, to go next level. And I, I was just losing money left and right betting those stupid teams. And so eventually um, I said, you know, this Alabama team is not only winning – uh, and covering, but I mean, their unders were like, they had a streak of unders for a while. So I started betting them. And as PJ knows, when I bet teams, I watch them. I don't just bet it and forget it. Like I watch. And so, uh, I believe in Alabama. I'm not going to, I certainly am not going to start betting against them. Now PJ knows I did that with the football team. And what did that get me? All they did was win another nat, another natty. So I'm going to go, um, I'll go Bama in the final four over FSU. FSU was a little more helter skelter betting them, but I think that's the most athletic team in the country that I've seen. Uh, but ultimately I'll go Bama beating them. I do have uh, FSU beating Michigan though. That's a notable upset. And then I have Bama beating Texas in uh, the sweet 16. I have FSU Bama, my elite eight too. I have FSU beating Michigan. To me, that is the best region, I think, and the most intriguing region with matchups, especially in the first round. I know a lot of people like LSU as possible sleeper. I think St. Bonaventure is personally going to win that game. Um, And then Joe likes Abilene Christian over Texas, and we both think that could be a really, really good game. That's my big upset. And I, I'm sticking to it. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. One of the rules that I try to abide by when I'm making my brackets is if I, if I am on the fence about an upset, but I have that team losing in the next round, regardless, I'm leaning towards the upset. And for me, assuming I am, I'm right about MSU coming out of the playing game and beating BYU. I think MSU would beat Texas. So if I'm going to have MSU in my sweet 16 anyway, I'm going to go ahead and lean towards that Abilene upset. I think they match up well. Little brother versus big brother in the state of Texas. I love that one. But we are all in agreement here. I have FSU Bama in the Elite Eight as well, and I have Bama going through. Uh, a lo- that's a very trendy pick of Florida State over Michigan, which makes me scared about it. But I think it's, it's true based on the matchup. Yeah, you should be scared about it because one of two things are going to happen. FSU is going to make us look like geniuses or they're <laughs> going to get smoked. You're not going to get a close game and an instant classic. FSU, I'm telling you, man, they switch. They just flip switches on you so fast. They're they're more moody than my wife. I can't I can't keep track. <laughs> you better of make sure rules. she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you better make sure she don't listen. Hey, I'm all I'm already in the doghouse because I'm telling her Michigan State's going to beat UCLA, and she's like, "Get out of my face! Go pick up the kids." <laughs> Um, all right, the next region's a great one, and uh, also a lot of good matchups. This is a tricky one, too, because Baylor, so many – I mean, everybody was high on them, really, the whole year. Then they had COVID, and they've been limping down the stretch a little bit. But that 8-9, there's a lot of intrigue with Wisconsin and North Carolina and who wins that, and then if they could give Baylor a game. You talked about Purdue. A lot of people like Arkansas and Ohio State. So what are your thoughts and, on that region? PJ, to butt in real quick, Trav, before you go here, you mentioned before, PJ, you think that the Michigan region is the best. For me, it's this one. In this region, it wouldn't – again, certain picks would be a lot less likely than others. But in this region, you could make a case for Baylor, UNC – 
Wisconsin, Purdue, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, and Ohio State all to make it through into that Elite Eight, and we'll see what happens from there. It's a very strong region. Yeah, I think I'd have to. I think I'd have to agree with you. Actually, um, listen. So a few things you mentioned that North Carolina Wisconsin game. Uh, I bet on both of those teams this year. North Carolina's lost me money. Wisconsin's made me money on the unders. Uh, I would probably roll Wisconsin uglying that game up and winning that. So I have them advancing. Uh, it's a trendy pick to take Villanova to lose. I didn't do it. I do have them losing the next round to Purdue. You guys know I'm high on Purdue. So I took Nova getting out of the first round. Texas Tech I love, but I will say this. That Arkansas-Texas Tech matchup in the second round scares the bejeebies out of me because I have Texas Tech going all the way to the Elite Eight. And I got to tell you, Arkansas and, and this PJ is going to love this entire interview because the one Alabama bet that I lost was Arkansas. Uh, Alabama went to Fayetteville and lost that game. And I watched that game. And in fact, I remember thinking like, oh, my God, like this Arkansas team's pretty good. I, I didn't know anything about him. They have a kid named uh, Modi. Moody. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's awesome. I remember seeing him. Uh, so Arkansas is a dangerous team. So I, I, I'll keep my eye on that game. That could be upset city and ruin my bracket. Um, I have Texas Tech beating Ohio State, though. Ohio State, I can never trust in the tournament. Um, and so I'm kind of sticking with that, kind of going back to the branding and the history of being burned so many times. Texas Tech, to me, with that coach, um, I mean, some of those players are primetime guys. We know McClung in this area. He feels tournament ready to me. I, I just believe in Texas Tech. I have them in the Elite Eight. Uh, I have Baylor beating Purdue to get to the Elite Eight. I have Texas Tech beating Ohio State to get to the Elite Eight. And then I have Baylor advancing. Mm, very good. And then, uh, yeah, Texas Tech to me is one of the more interesting teams. I'm ready, ready to watch in the tournament because I've been telling Joe all year, I think they're more a perception team than what they actually are I think they're a little overrated but because of Chris Beard a lot of people like them and there's reason to but I think Utah State could really give them a good game uh in the final region Trav Illinois region um are you rolling with the Illini who is the hottest team in the country right now and if I'm not mistaken you got so you got two ones and a two right so let's see if we go three ones let's see if we go three ones in the final four hold on a second (laughs) You said Texas Tech and Utah State. I bet that game. I just want to see what I did here so I can match my notes. I see, that's Texas. another part of that matchup. Utah State's only a four-point dog, which is kind of stinky. I bet. I actually bet the over in that game. Or, I'm sorry, I bet the under in that game. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and Texas Tech, look, I don't think they're overrated. They're a six seed. No one's really ta- – a, cu- a couple analysts have picked them because of – as we talked about the coach and, and a couple of the players, but I don't, I don't think Texas tech is getting a love fest by any means. Uh, and plus in that, to me, it just seems like a, you know, Baylor and Ohio state, everyone's kind of talking about, which we could be destined for. Uh, so I, who knows Illinois though, I think, you know, I felt like two weeks ago, if you asked me this, I would have said they'll be the most disrespected one seed. I no longer feel that way. I think Michigan is the most disrespected one seed. Definitely. I think Illinois, although I don't have them doing it, I would not be shocked if Illinois is in the final against Gonzaga. I think it's very possible. 
that team cost me a lot of money this season. I, mm-hmm. I kept not believing, and they just kept winning. And so uh, I feel very nervous to bet against them again, but I did. I have them beating the fighting sister jeans and advancing to the Sweet 16, but I'm all over. All Cade? All oh, my Cade. God. Dude, I don't want to take up all the time in this, but I just have to tell you, he reminds me. I'm a little bit older than you guys, so I know you remember this guy as a pro, but I remember watching Paul Pierce at Kansas, and I remember watching those games, and Kansas was loaded and beating everyone, right? But I remember watching those games and watching Paul Pierce, and you could tell, of course, he's getting buckets. He's being Paul Pierce, right? But Kansas would win the game, and then you'd look at the box score. And you'd say, wait, Paul Pierce had 30? Like it was it was like a quiet dominance, if that makes sense. When I watch Cade Cunningham, I get those same vibes where clearly we can all see he makes his teammates better. He appears to be the leader and like the spiritual something of that team. He's a great player. He's getting buckets. But then you you look and you're like, he had 28, he had 25, he had 30. I mean, this kid, he's so smooth. He's incredible. I think he's going to be a superstar. Like we're seeing the the youngest ball right now in the NBA. I think Cade Cunningham is going to be like that day one NBA, wherever he goes, he's going to be a star. So I'm riding that. I have Okie State in the final four. I have them beating, I have them beating Illinois and I have them beating ultimately Houston. I think West Virginia I came real close to taking Huggy Bear and the crew, but I, I went Houston because, you know, you want to talk about disrespected teams. I mean, is anyone talking about Houston at all? Are people in Houston even talking about them? <laughs> right? No. I mean, that's a team. They're battle-tested, too. They've been to this tournament. They've gone deep. Uh, their coach has been here before. I, I could easily see Houston going to the Final Four, but I have them uh, losing to Okie State. I believe in Cade Cunningham. I've got – Illinois going deep here. PJ and I have disagreed on Illinois for about a month and a half. I've been on them the whole way. And it, it, for me, it harkens back to last year's Maryland team. I almost, that Maryland team, I almost think is living vicariously through this Illinois team. Both Big Ten teams. Uh, Io DeSumo is your Anthony Cowan. Kofi Coburn is your Jalen Smith. Sim- very, very similarly constructed. Except DeSumo and Cockburn are way better. Except they are – I was just going to get to that. Those guys are better, and the role players, your Wiggins, Ayala, instead it's Curbelo and Frazier who are way better. So I think this is just last year's Maryland team on steroids, and maybe I'm falling too much in love with them because of that. But I actually have Illinois getting through, going to the final, and beating Gonzaga. So uh, that, that, is, that is how much I love Illinois. And, and, again, the rest of the show after we let Trav go – it's PJ and I going through all of our entire brackets, so a little spoiler alert, but I love Illinois. Uh, but it does scare – if there's one matchup that scares me, it is your Cade Cunningham matchup because I think he could just take over. That's the one that scares me. See, and I think Tennessee is going to beat Oak State. If they play – well, I think Oak State could lose to Liberty, but I think if Oak State plays Tennessee – I, yes. I, I don't agree with him on that one. That's crazy. That's Travis, crazy <laughs> you, know, you know the tournament is all about matchups. And in the Big 12 – Who's a team that slows down the ball? Who's a team that plays at a pace like Virginia or Wisconsin? There isn't one. And Liberty is so good at getting you to play to their style. And I understand they haven't seen athletes and players like Oklahoma State has. 
But Oklahoma State is a coach in his first year in the tournament. They got freshmen all over the floor as their best players. And you're going up against a Liberty team that knows what style of play they want to go at. And if it's a close game, I just think that favors Liberty because they like playing late into the shot clock. Well, listen, uh, if it's a close game is what I want to key in on. Cade Cunningham is going to wipe his ass with Liberty. (laughs) I'll give you Tennessee and those athletes from the SEC. I'll give you Illinois, who I have Oklahoma State beating in the Sweet 16, beating Oklahoma State. I'll give you that. I ain't giving you Liberty. There's no way in hell. Uh, Liberty's not even going to cover in that game. Joe, I like your analogy. I've been saying I feel actually really bad for Terps fans because I thought last year that was a Final Four uh, team, quite frankly, and it would just depend on regions and matchups and all that. But I thought talent-wise, that was a Final Four team. And I've been very critical of uh, Mark Turgeon. But to be honest with you, I thought this year was his best coaching job he's done. I I wish that uh, Jalen Smith had came back for you guys. It was definitely up there. Um, He made the right choice, clearly being a top-10 NBA pick. He's had some injuries and hasn't obviously had the rookie year he hoped for. But he absolutely made the right decision. I can't even be mad at him. Um, you mentioned the disrespect for Houston. This is another one that I really struggled with. I have San Diego State getting through and beating Houston. And for me, it's one of the themes I think we could see this tournament. Uh, teams that had issues. So San Diego State was a team last year that was probably going to be a one or a two seed. They, they're missing a couple pieces from last year, but the core is still there. And I think they want that similar to, you know, almost the, the idea of betting uh, Virginia the year after the lightning the year after this was their, this is their chance to, to recoup what they missed last year. And for the same one, I uh, think a team like Winthrop against Nova, besides the fact that it's the trendy pick Winthrop last year, won their conference this year. What do they do? They go 23 and one win the conference again and are under the radar. So I think that's a theme that comes through, but Hey, this is as difficult to predict of a March madness, I think as we've ever seen. And it makes up for not having one. And, and not quite. I shouldn't say that nothing makes up for missing it last year, but we got a good one this year. Yeah, listen, I I can't roll with you on San Diego State. In the interest of time, I won't go on the same rant I did about Gonzaga, but rewind to the cream puff cupcake West Coast conferences that these teams play in. San Diego State hasn't played anyone. I got Syracuse beating them in the first round. That zone gives people fits all the time in the tournament. Bayheim is older than dirt, but he's been there, (laughs) done that. I think Syracuse is good for that win, and then they'll get smoked by Huggins in West Virginia. Before we get into the Swift 7 traps, so you've given us your final four, Gonzaga, Bama, Baylor, Oklahoma State. I'm assuming you have Gonzaga playing Baylor? I do, and I have Baylor winning and cutting down the nets. I've been on them all year long. I have a future on them, so I'm rooting them all the way. Uh, I actually think them kind of stumbling towards the end of the year will help them come tournament time, refocus, lock in. Uh, To me, that's the best team in the country. I agree with you in that Gonzaga's losing in the title game. I told P.J., I have Illinois and Baylor matching up in my final four. Whoever wins that, I think beats Gonzaga. I love it. I mean, listen, it it goes back to the conferences. Big 12, battle-tested. Big 10, battle-tested. I'll bet on those conferences over the Zags conference every day. Absolutely. Mm. You see the shot clock winding down, so we get into our Swift 7. Number one, speaking of the shot clock winding down, favorite buzzer-beating moment of March Madness ever? Uh, You guys will have to look up the year. Because I, I played this with you last time, and I botched all the years. But it was a Tyus Edney, um, coast to coast. 
UCLA beat someone. Uh, that was that was tremendous. I remember watching that and just being like, "This is crazy." Also, I'm old. En- I'm old enough for the Christian Laidner shot. I hated mm. Duke. That one really hurt, but it's memorable. All right, number two. What's one rule you have when filling out your bracket that you never break? One rule I have that I never break. Uh, never. I never fill out just one. It's like a Lay's, <laughs> I love it. It's like a Lay's potato chip. Like I, I mean, I have twenty brackets rocking. That's why they call them chips, not chip singular. Uh, number three. In the year where the one seeds have been perceived to be in a tier of their own all season long. What would be a bigger surprise? All of them making the final four or all of them missing the final four? Oh, all of them missing would be a bigger surprise to me. Uh, I, I, in fact, I don't think I, I would keel over if that happened. I, I just don't, I don't think that's happening in a year with no like true blue blood, like a Kentucky or a Duke or yeah, no, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think I would be shocked if, if none of the ones made it. Number four, how many TV shows can you, uh, mention from everybody's favorite network this time of year, True TV. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Practical Jokers on there? Is that Practical TBS? Jokers. Okay, on that's there. the only one I know. <laughs> TJ, you already know this about me, man. I'm such a gambler. All I watch is sports, and that, and now I have kids, so I watch a lot of Paw Patrol. But other uh, than that, I'm watching games. I feel you. Uh, number five. Who's your favorite college hoops player of all time? Oh, don't make me say one. Can I rattle off? Yeah, yeah. Just give us like your top three or five or something. Oh, yeah. I can't go one. It's too many. I, you know, I grew up in the 90s. So, uh, Big Dog Glenn Rice comes to mind. Jamal Mashburn comes to mind. Uh, I used to, actually, I guess I could say John Wallace at Syracuse Mm. uh, for my age group. Uh, And Lawrence Moten right before him, too. Uh, Syracuse had a run of guys I really loved. Uh, Those two for sure. Uh, both the O'Bannon brothers were awesome. I'm I'm like that era, like those sure. like nine late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, all the UNC guys, Vince Carter, uh, Rashid, all those dudes. Uh, who's your favorite cur- current college coach in the country? College coach? Yeah, college coach. Patrick Ewing, man, I'm all in. I, I mean, this guy, the job he's doing. When I when I started, kind of like. Losing not faith in him, but questioning him was when McClung left and some of these kids are transferring out and there's there's some tension. And I'm like, oh, man, what are you doing, Pat? And then now you're seeing why and you're seeing how that team plays. And that recruiting class that's coming into Georgetown is real. And obviously them being on this stage is only going to help. Patrick Ewing, man, he's turned, he's turned, forget turning, he's turned Georgetown around and they're back. And I'm glad you said Ewing because the final question of the Swift Seven, which DMV team has a better chance to win their first round game, Maryland against UConn or Georgetown against Colorado? I mean, it's a push because they both could get beat, <laughs> but I, I'll go Georgetown because I think Gonzaga included, no one in the country wants to play Georgetown right now they yeah. just don't we That's see this true. in sports all the time these teams back in the playoffs mm-hmm. so they barely get in but they're hot and everyone's like oh no please tell me this team's not gonna win it they shouldn't even be here but they're hot we don't want to see them that's Georgetown right now I think they have a better shot but I I disagree with Joe I think Maryland uh is gonna beat UConn I'll take it
I do too. Um, all right, Travis, we got 320 left on the Zoom call, but you only need 90 seconds for the trivia question. Oh, God. And all your right. trivia question. So since 2010, there have been seven schools that have won the national championship in college basketball. Can you name those seven? And three of the schools have won it twice in the past decade. Since 2010? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the Donovan Floridas. Were those in there? Those were before that. Oh, all right. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Sparty. Uh, no, Michigan State did not win it. No, Michigan State. No, Michigan Big Ten State. team has not won it since they won it in 2000. Whoa, dude. Um, geez. Now you got me all frazzled. I can't believe that. I'm like thinking of that stat. I can't believe that's true. And then, of course, I go super old school. I'm like, Billy Donovan got two. You're like, no, that was like 2004. <laughs> uh, give them to me. I don't know who we got. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so Virginia was two years ago, 2019. Right. Uh, then in 2018 was Villanova. They also won it in 2016. Oh, right. Seven, 2017 was UNC with uh, Justin Jackson, Joel Berry. They all won it. Okay. Uh, Louisville, 2013. That was Patino, Russ Smith, Peyton Siva. They won it. Oh, I forgot that team. Yeah. 2012, Kentucky won it. That was Anthony oh, Davis, Coach Cal. Uh, UConn won it twice this decade. You had Kemba's team, and then you had Shabazz's team. God, Kevin that feels Ollie. like a lifetime ago. And then Duke won it twice, 2010. Oh. We'll, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you because your brain is probably fried talking yeah. about this year's bracket. So we'll forgive you. No, well, you know what it was too is I see this clock and I'm like, I could do this for <laughs> 10 minutes. So let's just get, let's get the answers. But I remember a lot of those teams, some of those feel, those UConn teams, honestly, the last two you gave me, UConn and Duke, feel so long ago. Like, like those Florida teams I was – picking my brain for feels right. more recent than those even players. even virginia feels like forever ago after taking the year off so it's it's great it well trav it was good seeing you thanks for joining us man we record this on thursday we got first four games coming up in about an hour and a half so enjoy all the madness it was great to see you and we'll do it again soon i appreciate it guys give me an easy cupcake trivia one next time <laughs> next time we got two. you <laughs> we got you see you trav as always so great to talk to trav uh, kind enough to join us. He's obviously so busy these days with these radio shows. I'm sure he's talking about March Madness all the time, especially all the time. These what else, ta- what else are you talking about? Right? I know there's NFL free agency. I know spring training. Well, Fitzpatrick happened yesterday. I, I you know, know I know, I know. I get all that, but like, oh, oh, this I'm, is- sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean Travis specifically. Travis specifically, he's got a job to do. He's in a specific market, but overall, nationally, like ESPN and stuff, we missed March Madness last year. Just, just give us all that. Just give it to us the entire day. I don't like they they do that twenty-four hour fantasy football marathon every year. I just want March Madness brackets on my TV plastered until the tournament starts. We missed it last year. Overload it this year to make up for it. That's. I I want them to do the twenty-four hour tournament challenge like they've been doing. I don't know if you noticed, but maybe two, three years ago, they had this dude uh, Oz Perlman on, who's like a magician. It was unbelievable. I, I want them to have that guy back on again. He gave them, he like wrote down his predictions of his final four. They kept it in a lockbox. When it came back to the final four, he, he'd get all of it right. And it was the year Loyola made it. And he had Loyola Oh my right God. Now. 
I don't know how he does. <laughs> so, anyways, you heard what Travis had to say. Now we're gonna break down the brackets to give you our thinking a little bit more. That's it. Last week we said, last week we said, if if you're not a March Madness fan, last week's episode wasn't for you. This week's episode is not gonna be for you. But if you're not a March Madness fan, why are you listening to a sports podcast anyway? So, uh, all brackets today. We're going through it, and we we have a continuation of the wager we had for best bets of the football season, which was the loser would have to buy the winner Waffle House wearing the gear, either PJ and Jet stuff or me and Raven stuff of the winner. I won that. So PJ owes me Waffle House in Jets gear. We're going to go double or nothing on the Waffle House portion of it here, but the, the Jets part of it will still have to hold. But the double or nothing on the Waffle House part of it for our bracket. And then going by the scoring of ESPN's Tournament Challenge. So right. We'll keep everybody updated as that goes along. Yep. Um, all right. So let's see. So, yeah, we'll just kind of run through the games and talk about each thing. Um, Gonzaga against Norfolk State or App State. We both have Gonzaga. Yep. The 8-9 game, to me, this is the one I have the least opinion on. The other 8-9 games, I actually feel pretty good about my picks. This game, Oklahoma last week, you said they were kind of the team that was just falling for you, Mm -hmm. that you just didn't like anymore. And Missouri, they've beaten Illinois this year. They've beaten Alabama this year. They've uh, beaten LSU this year. They've beaten some of the best teams, but then they also can turn around and they've lost to some of the worst teams in the SEC. So, you know, eight, nine games are always coin flips. They're always toss-ups. But in this game, Joe, I went with the better coach, and I went with the best player on the floor. I went with Lon Kruger and Austin Reeves, and I think Oklahoma wins the game. For the same reasons I went Oklahoma, this is probably the one of the least attractive matchups of the entire first round. Yeah, I'd agree. Oklahoma's lost four in a row. Missouri's lost six of nine. So they pretty much took the two teams that have – the most backed into the tournament, put them together and said, you know what? We're getting rid of one of them on the first day. And so be it. So that that's that for that matchup. And then we get to the interesting part of the first round where we've got Creighton UCSB in the five twelve, and Virginia, Ohio in the four thirteen. And PJ, I think it's a popular pick or it's becoming a popular pick that some people have a 12 13 matchup in the second round here. These are two very intriguing first round matchups, especially Virginia, Ohio, considering Virginia, you know, who is playing, who's not, we don't know yet. Uh, They can't practice all week. They're just doing zoom meetings from their hotel rooms. Uh, And we've seen all year long how teams have a look in that first game after a COVID shutdown and look at Baylor. Baylor almost lost to a two and 19 Iowa state team when they came back from COVID. So I'm going Ohio in that one. They're a team that could score like crazy. Preston leads away. And then in Creighton, UCSB, similar thing. UCSB finished the season on an 18-1 and run. Uh, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, leading scorer, leads the, leads the way for them. Zegarowski, I don't want to pick against him, but I don't really like the way Creighton finished the season, and especially just getting the doors blown off them against Georgetown. It, losing would have been one thing but they were just demoralized in that game. And I could see them kind of just still being on that low UCSB coming in on a high, the way they've been playing. And I've got a 12-13 matchup in, in the round of 32 in this part of the bracket. So I'm with you on Ohio, definitely. Jason Preston. I could not believe when I was watching the MAC tournament that they were a five seed. Ohio, towards the beginning of the year, they went into Champaign and they lost by two to Illinois. Mm-hmm. So they know they can play with the big boys. Preston's going to be a first-round NBA player. They have a great offense. 
And with Virginia, they obviously always struggle with the mid-majors, but they especially struggle with the mid-majors that can score and can Mm. shoot threes because they have the pack line defense and they allow you to shoot threes. And if you're hitting them, there's nothing they can do. Obviously, with the COVID issues and you just haven't seen them in a while, you wonder how they're going to be. Ohio is going to be a very, very trendy pick, but I do like Ohio as well. And that 5-12 game, as you mentioned, I don't look too much into the Georgetown-Creighton final. I think once Georgetown got to the final, nobody was going to They were beat absolutely them a team of destiny, but right. I, just think it's, I just think it's the way Creighton lost right. for me. That's, that's I, I agree with you. But to me, I thought them beating UConn was more impressive, was more – demoralizing or whatever words you're more disappointing than them losing to Georgetown. Uh, you know, Creighton, like you said, Zegarowski guard play us UCSB has got a great one too. And Jalen McLaughlin. Um, it'll be a good matchup. I'm going with Creighton in this one to face Ohio, but uh, that will definitely be one of the better first round matchups in that West regional Creighton and UCSB. And, and that's one where, um, for me, when I'm making my bracket, especially in terms of uh, pool orientation and, and and trying to win something here during March Madness season, I'm always more likely to pick an upset when I have the favorite losing next round anyway. This is one for me where I would have Ohio beating UCSB or Creighton, so I don't have uh, an issue going ahead and picking that UCSB upset. Uh, now, the lower half of that West region, I guess it's still weird to call them West East, you know, considering they're all in Indianapolis, but uh, the lower half of that West region gets interesting with that USC against Wichita or Drake. I think Drake comes out of the matchup with Wichita. I think USC beats either of them the way Evan Mobley is playing right now. Uh, he is looking like what he is. This is the number two pick in the NBA draft and they're dominant inside. They're dominant on the boards, shot blocking ability from not just him, but other, other teammates there. They're on a run. Uh, they, they ran into uh, a Buffalo team that was also hot in, in the Pac-12 tournament, but they're a very dangerous team, one that could win not just one, but two games, I think, in this tournament. So no issues going with USC there for me. And Kansas, similar to Virginia, we don't know exactly what we're going to get, but they have a lot more favorable matchup against an Eastern Washington team than Virginia has against Ohio. So even though there's that doubt for Kansas like there is for Virginia, I will go with Kansas in this one. Yeah, I'm with you on Drake Wichita. I like Drake as well. Drake's getting back one of their better players, too, uh, Hemphill, who's looking like he's going to play tomorrow as we record this on uh, on Wednesday. But I- I'm with you. I like USC. Mobley's great, too, but they got a great point guard, Tajidi, as well, mm-hmm. who can really score. You can pull up from anywhere, too. Can. I like the Trojans. And then I'm with you, Kansas. Um, You know, Kansas is the weakest of the three seeds in the tournament, but I think they're good enough to beat Eastern Washington with Bill Self on the sidelines. They've still got Abaji and Christian Braun and Marcus Garrett. They have some veterans that if McCormick can't play, they should be able to get past Eastern Washington. And then I think you're looking at a uh, Kansas-USC matchup where, uh, like you said, USC has a real chance. No, absolutely. And then – uh, to finish out the first round of this quadrant. And we're going to go quadrant by quadrant. So we'll go all the way to the final four in the West and then go to the next region here. Uh, so it's all fresh in your mind. Got Oregon VCU, Iowa Grand Canyon. Now, of the 15 seeds, not saying it's going to happen because it's very rare to happen, <laughs> even though it has happened. Grand Canyon's a 15 seed that I like the most. They're a relatively new upstart, 
had just they just have a very fun atmosphere out there if you've ever seen highlights yeah. of a grand canyon university game very fun atmosphere they score a lot of points they play really smothering defense they won the regular season uh, championship and the tournament but iowa is just ridiculous offensively and i don't have iowa going far and we'll get to that in a bit but i think they overwhelm grand canyon but i'm just saying i'm not i'm not sprinkling anything on it I'm not picking it. I'm just saying of the 15 seeds, Grand Canyon is the most likely to pull off an upset. And even that is like 5%. And I just want Bill Walton to call a Grand Canyon game. I don't know <laughs> if we can make that happen, but that seems like it needs to happen. I like Iowa over Grand Canyon. The, the game that's intriguing is Oregon VCU. A lot of college basketball experts and analysts and people like you like Oregon I just haven't seen them play. I know they have three great players, Figueroa, um, Duarte, and Onamari. Is that how you say Omarui. it? Omarudi. So they got a great three-headed monster, and Dana Altman is a great underrated coach who I think has a chance to be the next coach at Indiana. But I, I like VCU in the upset because I feel like a lot of people saw VCU against St. Bonaventure and how bad they looked, and that's how they're going to judge – the Rams, Bones Highland had three fouls in the first 10 minutes of that game. He could never get in a rhythm. He means so much to that team. And I think that's that's really, you know, that's not going to happen again against Oregon, and it really hurt them in that 8-10 final game. 7-10 games, too. You know, there's usually a 7-10 game every year that looks like it's the easiest to pick. Like, you just kind of see the matchup, and you're like, oh, like, like that's easy. Like, Oregon, obviously. And, and usually there could be some upsets that happen. I remember a couple of years ago, Louisville and Minnesota were a 7-10 game. Just like this game, Louisville was a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and they lost outright to Minnesota. I think we could see the same thing. I got VCU pulling the upset against Oregon. I did actually have Minnesota in that game going back. So did I, yeah. But, uh, but for this one, I'm, I'm on Oregon all the way. Um, uh, and, and one of us is going to be right on Oregon, and I hope it's me because otherwise it's going to hurt my bracket a bit because I have Oregon winning not one, not two, but three games actually in the tournament. So uh, I really like what you said. Duarte averaged 16.8. Omaruri averaged 16.8. Figueroa is a really good third option scoring wise as a forward Altman fantastic coach. Like you said, mm-hmm. could be on a bigger and better things out of blue blood, like Indiana. And I, I like the way this team has gone through the season started off. Okay. They had a lot of COVID issues. They got better and better and they've peaked at the right time. They won nine of their last 10 with a loss being against rival Oregon state in the PAC 12 tournament and an Oregon state team like Georgetown that just, kind of seemed to be team and destiny, got hot, won the Pac-12 tournament, sold a bit. Um, they've won nine of their last 10. Altman has a good track record in the tournament as a double-digit seed in 2019. Don't forget, they made it a couple of rounds and ultimately lost to Virginia. So he has that track record. They have the talent. I think it's a team that if all year they would have been healthy uh, and, and fully up to speed without that COVID pause, you with their talent, you might have seen them on a four or five line instead, uh, similar to the seven seed that we'll get to in a bit with UConn. If they had book night all year, they're not a seven seed. So I think these are two teams that are better than where they're seated only because in this year with COVID issues and whatnot, it knocked them down a couple of pegs, but I'm really high on Oregon and getting now into the second round of the West region. I have them over Iowa. 
I think Iowa's Achilles heel is their defense. If they go up against a team that can truly score with them or better than them, they are in trouble. And I think Oregon can be that team again for the three guys I mentioned. I think that game is a shootout probably in the eighties, maybe in the nineties. And I think Oregon, uh, the way they knock down their shots and, and with a coach like Altman, I think they can pull that off against Iowa. And again, um, it's, it's a risk I'm taking and, and it goes against what I've said all year about certain big 10 teams. But the one thing we've always maintained is of the big 10 teams, Iowa's the weakest because of their defense. And it's just a matter of if they score, God forbid for them, Garza gets into foul trouble early on. Otherwise they're screwed. So I do like Oregon. Um, you know, what's so great about the NCAA tournament and you'll hear us say this a lot over the next 30 minutes as we go through our bracket is when we pick certain teams, we don't like them against you know, team A, but if team B were to play and we'd love them. And Oregon VCU is the perfect example against Iowa. I have VCU beating Oregon. If they play Iowa, I love Iowa. If Oregon beats them, I'm with you. I think Oregon could, could take them out, but because I took VCU, I like Iowa, but uh, you better believe that everybody in Iowa city will be rooting for VCU in that game because (laughs) they do not want any part of Oregon. Um, yeah, look, I think Iowa's the weakest of the two seeds, like we've been saying, of that big four and the big ten. Iowa might have the best offense of the four, but their defense is just so much worse than the other four teams. And they're starting to get a little injured here down the stretch. Nunji got injured a couple weeks ago. Wieskamp got nicked up. Luckily, he's back, and he mm-hmm. looked like himself a little bit. But I, I just, again, I always worry about teams when their big man is their best player. And as great as Garza is, you know, he's just, he's prone to foul trouble. And then if he goes out, what happens to their team and Fran McCaffrey, I mean, he's not a terrible coach. He's not a great coach. He's fine. But I just don't know if when teams are throwing all these things at Garza that maybe they haven't seen and you're facing all these different teams that you got, got to get ready for in 48 hours. How will he adjust to that? Um, So I like Iowa. If they play VCU, if they play Oregon, I think the Ducks have a great chance to pull off the upset. That USC-Kansas matchup, um, I'm going Kansas. I don't love it, but uh, I just, you know, this will be one of those games that, uh, I mean, I don't know. Game sucks, honestly. Look, I don't the like teams, Kansas the teams are The teams are very evenly matched. Uh, opponents' points per game, both 65. Points per game, 75 for USC, 73 for Kansas. BPI rank. 16 for USC, 20 for K. Like, it's a, it's a very even matchup across the board as you go down the list. Uh, but, again, for me, what it comes down to is I think Kansas could overcome whatever their COVID issues turn out to be because it doesn't seem like they're going to have everybody. I think they can overcome that against Eastern Washington. I don't think they could overcome that against a USC team that's playing really good basketball and just has a dominant force inside in Mobley. Um, and Mobley. And it just comes down to really, unfortunately – we thought hopefully last year would be the only tournament impacted by COVID. It's not. We see it with UVA and Kansas. And hopefully that's it going forward, you know, where the referees had their issues. Hopefully that's it going forward. But that's what hurts Kansas here. If, if Kansas were fully 100%, I probably still would lean USC because I like the matchup. But especially not at 100%, I'm going USC. And we both got Ohio in the Sweet 16. We both got Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. You have Gonzaga, Oregon. And I have Gonzaga, Iowa. We both have Gonzaga in the Final Four. Joe, my thing I'm interested to see is I'd say 90% of people are going to have Gonzaga in their Final Four. Then another 8% are going to have Iowa. 
who do you think is the third team that is picked the most to get to the final four? Do you think it's Oregon? Cause I don't think a lot, I mean, maybe it's Kansas just because of their fan base and their brand recognition. But uh, I think after Gonzaga and Iowa, who be the clear two picks out of the West region, I think you'll get a couple people that, that might get on Oregon to make the final four. I think, like you said, Kansas probably will have a good percentage because three seed name recognition, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think USC actually, because as people go through their brackets, uh, if they're someone who likes to obviously look at how the season went matchups, USC did beat Oregon by 14. So if there's a lot of people like me who have a USC Oregon matchup, I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say, Oh, maybe in one, still beat them again. And Oh, they have the number two pick in the NBA draft. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if more, if, or if, excuse me, if USC were the third most picked final four team behind uh, Gonzaga and Iowa, uh, Kansas, again, like I said, brand recognition, that's, that's the thing for them. But USC might be a little bit of a trendy pick there as well. And like you said before, too, uh, Gonzaga, Ohio, nobody's picking against Gonzaga. Um, USC, Oregon, for me, in, in that matchup, um, USC won the first one. I think Oregon is a totally different team than when they met last time. So I got Oregon and then Gonzaga, without a doubt, in the Final Four. But I do think USC – and I think you can see those percentages ultimately on ESPN once the tournament gets going – they, they reveal that, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if USC was that team. Yeah, uh, so we got Gonzaga in our final fours. We moved down to East Region. We both like Michigan against whichever 16 seed they play. 8-9 uh, game, LSU-St. Bonaventure. Now, this is interesting because LSU is not only a popular pick in this game, but a possible upset to beat Michigan. I actually love St. Bonaventure in this game. The Bonnies are one of my favorite picks of the entire first round. I think a lot of people are seeing how LSU finished the season, that they beat Arkansas, that they almost beat Bama in the SEC championship game. They have three NBA players, Cam Thomas, Javante Smart, Trenton Wofford. Great team. Will Wade's a good coach. Um, But St. Bonaventure is just one of those teams. And in the eight, nine games, I love picking them when they're clearly not as a brand name as LSU, but they're just a solid team. They got five guys that I think are all in double digits or close to it in scoring. They beat you as a team. Great defense. Mark Schmidt, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And uh, they're the fighting Wojas. I mean, you got to roll with, <laughs> with the Woj bombs. So uh, I, I think LSU will be a popular pick in this game and in the 1-8 matchup against Michigan. But I think St. Bonaventure takes them out. So I'll get to that game in a second. I did actually just do some quick research and it actually is already available. So 66.6% have Gonzaga getting to the final four. Um, yeah. 66.6 have Gonzaga getting in the final four. Then it is Kansas at 7.4%. Um, I just saw, Oh, I was 14.2 Kansas 7.4. And then going down the list, USC at 1.6 Oregon at 1.2. So USC does edge out Oregon in that aspect. Like I thought, but wow, Gonzaga only is. 66. I was expecting a lot more. Yeah, well, that's that's from – I mean, you go down the list and there's a bunch of people that have, you know, yeah. 2.3% here, 2.3% there. And so right, it, right. It's, it, it evens out. But 66.6% uh, getting through to the final four. So there you have it. All right, there you go. Uh, who do you like, St. Bonaventure LSU? St. Bonaventure LSU. I do like LSU. Um, I, I – Almost wonder if you got a little Bama LSU thing going on here, but no, you have sound reasoning for St. Bonaventures. 
Uh, I just, I just think that LSU is a better team than they're given credit for, and they have more scoring than they're giving credit for. And, and it's, I, I think it's, it's a matchup that doesn't necessarily go against them. They bottom does have a good defense, but I mean, just the, the guys that LSU can throw at you with Cam Thomas, Trent Waterford, and, and Javante Smart. I think it's too much to overwhelm St. Bonaventure, and I don't think they should be as trendy of a pick in the 1-8 matchup LSU against Michigan, but it wouldn't shock me. I do have Michigan getting through those first two rounds, but it's against LSU, not St. Bonaventure. 5-12 game. This is the upset I'm the most confident in of the 5-12, 4-13 game, Georgetown. I just think they got something going right now with uh, Ewing and Big John. Colorado's a good team. McKinley Wright, one of the better guards in the country. Tad Boyle's a really good coach. They were a couple seconds away from winning the Pac-12 championship. But Georgetown's 13-12. and They had to win four games in four days. They beat Villanova as the top seed by one point, and they went 23 for 23 from the foul line. Sometimes when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm not saying they're going to the Final Four. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but I think they will win this game, and they will beat Colorado in the 5-12. I'm not saying they win a game. I think this is one, <laughs> of, those, I think this is one of those cases where it was meant to be in the Big East tournament, and they exhausted so much in the Big East tournament, and that was you know how we talk about in football when it comes to like uh, a lower team beating a bigger team. And it's like, that was their Super Bowl. Here's a letdown. This was Georgetown Super Bowl. And here's a letdown Colorado an overlooked team led by McKinley, right? Like you said, you mentioned how good Georgetown is from the free throw line. Colorado was number one in the country from the free throw line. So I, I think this is a team that if they had a better draw, could have surprised people and made a sweet 16 elite eight run, but against Florida state, I think it's a bad matchup for Colorado and I have Florida state getting through Same to tip our hand a little bit on what's coming next. But uh, I think they're one of the more underrated teams, not underseated. They're, they're appropriately seated as a five seed, but I think they're one of the more underrated teams in the tournament and Georgetown's going to be that trendy 12 pick because what they did in the big East tournament, but I think it stops there and I got Colorado going through. With you on uh, Florida State, you, you, we both like UNCG a lot. They're a good mid-major yeah. team, but Florida State's just such a big, ma- bad matchup for any mid-major because of their speed, their athleticism, their size, how they rotate guys in. It's just – it's terrible for any team that plays them, which is a shame. I like the Seminoles. And, and, then, and uh, I mentioned last week, too, that UNC Greensboro was my mid-major that I was most excited to see where they were seated to pick for an upset. If they were, say – the 13 against Virginia would have loved that would have jumped all over it, but they got probably the worst possible matchup for them against a Florida state team. So I got to go with the Seminoles. I'm with you. Uh, BYU versus whoever they get in the 11 game is going to be interesting. Michigan state and UCLA. I like UCLA just because I know how many people are going to be on Michigan state. I'm not going to bet this game because I'm not going to bet against Izzo. I'm going to watch it and it's going to come right down to the wire. But I think that, a lot of people are going to take Michigan State, and then they're going to take Michigan State to beat BYU. But I love how BYU can score, and both these teams, UCLA and Michigan State, both have been offensively challenged at times. They're going to want to get BYU into a slugfest, and that's just not how the Cougars play. They shoot really well. They put up 53-and-a-half against Gonzaga. We were all, we all saw that, what they're capable of on offense. So I think whoever they play, um, BYU, their offense will be too much, and I like them to advance. So this is the one part of my bracket that 
I might, I'm done. I'm not changing anything anymore. I don't want to get in my head too much. This is the one thing that I might change depending on how the first four goes. So I've got Michigan state over UCLA. I will have the winner of that game, regardless beating BYU, even if it is UCLA, but here's where things get spicy. I got Abilene Christian over Texas as my big upset of the tournament. And I think Abilene Christian crashes the sweet 16 Mm. if they match up against UCLA. So as it stands, I have Michigan State over UCLA, Michigan State over BYU, Michigan State over Abilene Christian. But if UCLA wins, I've got Abilene Christian over UCLA in that part of the bracket and and get into that game now. Um, Look, Texas, I've fought through the whole year. They haven't quite shown what people think of them. And that goes back to what you said about perception versus reality when it comes to certain teams the reality they've shown was different than the perception of them. And I love this situation here where it's a budding mid-major from the state of Texas who would love to take a bite out of the state's big dog. Yeah. I guess they're technically not the state's big dog right now with Baylor and whatnot, but you get brand recognition wise. They are the state's big dog. You get that mid-major team that would love to do that. I got a friend from Maryland who actually is a local sports reporter at Abilene in that region. So I've seen coverage of Abilene Christian throughout the whole year. I know probably more about them than the average person who's like, who's Abilene Christian. And they're a very, very pesky team. Uh, They're tremendous defensively uh, forcing turnovers, especially one of the top defensive teams in the country. Um, Offensively, they don't have a guy like their main guy is, is a forward who averages 12 points per game. It's, it's real scoring by committee They move the ball. Well, but it's their defensive prowess that sets them apart. And this year we've seen Texas at times really struggle against good defensive teams uh, and and struggle to put up points against them. So I like Abilene Christian to make this upset. Um, And I think they lose to Michigan state would beat UCLA. Now, if Texas goes ahead and beats um, beats Abilene Christian, then I have Michigan State beating them anyway. But if it were UCLA, I would have Texas winning. So there's there's so much about this part of the bracket that hinges on that first four. So we got to wait and see. Makes sense. Um, I, I like Texas, but I, I do like the Abilene pick a lot. Um, Texas is just such a tough team to play against for a mid-major because of their size and their athleticism. There have been a bunch of people from the Big 12 that said this is maybe some of the uh, one of the most athletic teams they've ever seen. Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, they just got so many dudes down low that Abilene have just – they've never seen athletes like that. It, it could be close, and Texas might have a little Big 12 championship hangover type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I do love, I do love that little dog versus big dog interstate mentality we saw with Wichita and Kansas a couple of years ago with Van Fleet and Ron Baker and all them. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we'll, we'll I do go ahead and post Texas the pictures. Football. We'll go ahead and post the pictures of our final brackets because, like I said, this one, uh, if you listen to the podcast and then see the final product, this is the one that could change. Like I said, um, it's too many arrows in every which direction. I could have Michigan State in the Sweet 16. I could have Abilene in the Sweet 16. It all depends on that first four matchup. Right. Uh, and then let's see, 7-10, 2-15. I like Bama against Iona. I was I hated the fact that they got Patino. Of all the 15 seeds, that's the one I least wanted to play because of Patino. It surprised me that they're favored by 16 and a half because of Patino. Um, but I do like Bama to win that game. UConn, Maryland, Joe, it's real simple. I think UConn kills them, so I pick Maryland. So that's yeah. that's what that is. I, I 
I went back and forth on this, and it's kind of what you talk about, the emotional hedge. I'm picking UConn, and I'll be happy otherwise. Uh, that's, that'll be the one that I'm most happy to see get wrong in my bracket. Um, <laughs> I think Morsell could shut down Book Knight, but uh, just it's, I can't ignore the stats and the facts here. Um, our good friend Ryan Ormelli, who has, you know, has popped on the podcast a bunch, um, he pointed out to us that if you exclude the eight games, I believe it is, that Book Knight missed, and you just take the games that he's played, they're seventh in the country in Ken Palm. And they're a team that they're, I think they're 11 and one with him. And like it was four and four or something without him. Like the, the disparity between with and without him is very stark. And he's playing and he's healthy. So it's too hard to ignore. I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Oregon, where if they didn't have any issues health wise this year, they're probably on a four or five line. If Book Knight played all season long for UConn, they're probably on a four line. So probably the worst matchup Maryland could have gotten. And it's all going to come down to whether the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Daryl Morsell, can shut down Book Knight. But even so, uh, it's still going to be a tough one. I go UConn, and I hope that's the one that I get wrong in, in the first round. And then Bama, I don't have any issues picking them against Iona. I know you're going to be pessimistic about your team and maybe ho- thinking that they can go ahead and lose that while you're sitting at a wedding trying to find the scores. But I, I don't oh. think you should worry about that game. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then according to my bracket, what I picked, I mean, the round of 32 games, all the picks were pretty straightforward for me. I like Michigan over St. Bonaventure, Florida State over Georgetown, Texas over BYU, and then Bama over Maryland. If Bama were to play UConn, a real interesting story that I heard the other day was Nate Oates was a high school coach at Romulus High School in Michigan like seven years ago. And he had a player from Rhode Island named E.C. Matthews. And E.C. Matthews was coached at Rhode Island by Danny Hurley, who's the coach at UConn. And when Hurley came to watch Matthews, he was so blown away by Nate Oates, he told his brother, Bobby Hurley, he's like, if you have a spot opened up at Buffalo, you should take a look at this guy. Sure enough, he did. Oates came onto his staff, become the head coach at Buffalo. Now he's the head coach at Bama, and they could match up together. That's Danny a great Early story. <laughs> and, and Nate Oates in the round of 32. I did not, I did not know that. That's a, that's a I, I obviously story. knew he was a coach at Romulus High and all that, but I never knew the E.C. Matthews-Danny Hurley connection. So the fact that Hurley could go up against the guy that he honestly got into college yep. basketball <laughs> could, could be pretty wild. Um but look, if Bama plays Maryland, it'd be a, such a bad matchup for Maryland. They, they just they can't score against teams that get into that, you know, score 70, 80 points. Mm-hmm. Bama, when they play against great defensive teams that Maryland is, they, the Maryland is a great defensive team. They, they can get sloppy at times, but I'm just going to say if, they're if also Maryland, a great Bama, defensive team. Yep, so. if, it's, if it's Maryland, Bama, Maryland's got to make that game as sloppy as can be, Definitely. but I'd still take Bama. So my round of 32 picks, like I said, Michigan over LSU, got Florida state over Colorado. There's that mishmash in the, in the BYU, Michigan state, Texas, Abilene portion of it. As it stands, I think Michigan state gets through, meaning I have Michigan state over Abilene and I got Bama over UConn. Um, that brings me to Bama over Michigan State. And then the big one, I got Florida State over Michigan. I, I just love that matchup for Florida Same. State. And especially, they've been quiet about it, but if Livers is out for Michigan, especially, especially, I love that matchup for FSU. It's probably a more popular pick than I think people realize of Florida State beating Michigan. Um, but I don't have any problems siding with that popularity. They're a tremendous three-point shooting team. 
really good overall offensively, not just from three. And their their average height is six eight. They're just a big team, and that's They're why I like it be- because every time Michigan takes the floor, Hunter Dickinson is such an advantage mm-hmm. for them at seven one. And you play Florida State, an and it's not an advantage. Nothing. The way that they can shuffle in 11 guys in Michigan, especially without livers, really only plays like six or seven. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you on Florida State. And then Texas-Bama, I like Bama in that game. That would be a high-scoring shootout. Um, I like the tie. But then I'm going with Florida State over Bama in the Elite Eight. I think if those teams were to match up, they're so similar in how they play with their depth and their speed and wanting to get up and down the floor and causing turnovers. But the size of Florida State – I think would bother Bama. If Bama was hitting their threes in that matchup, they'll win. But uh, with Florida State's ability to just guard and their size, I think it'd be a tough matchup. And I feel really good now. I feel really good now about my Bama in the final four pick because I know for a fact that you don't want to put your team that Mm -mm. far because you don't want to have that mental, emotional letdown. That's correct. Because you have them losing, I feel really good about my pick (laughs) of Bama in the final four. So on that side of the bracket, I've got Gonzaga and I've got Alabama and I've got Gonzaga. Sorry, PJ. I don't think you'll argue with that one. So I've clearly got Gonzaga in the finals. I hate to go that chalky, but look, uh, at the end of the day, this Gonzaga team is undefeated for a reason. I think their toughest test would would have been in a 1-8 matchup going up against a major jump in competition versus what they've seen for the last two months. But the committee did them a massive favor by giving them Oklahoma and Missouri, who are the two worst eight and nine seats. So uh, after that, you know, you look at their path, at least the way we have it, we've got eight seated, three falling Oklahoma, 13 seated. Got, uh, did you have Iowa? I forgot over there. I, in the elite eight, I did. Okay, you did. And, and they killed Iowa earlier this season. So yep. the path is easy for them. I've got Gonzaga in the finals. Uh, now we move over to the other side of the bracket, and we start off with my favorite 8-9 matchup, which is UNC-Wisconsin. I'm obviously Great going game. past Baylor-Hartford because Baylor's going to be the 16th seed. I love this game, North Carolina and Wisconsin. And I hate that they match up against each other because as the different combinations were starting to kind of become possibilities, I thought both of these teams could be surprise Sweet 16 candidates depending on their path, and they play each other, lo and behold, in the first round. I've got Wisconsin. Um, you got a team that's got nine seniors that are playing. I'm trusting them in the tournament. And under the radar, uh, again, you not so much big on it. I am, and it's shown to be a proven model in the past few years as far as projecting not only the seeding, but I mean, not, excuse me, not only regular season games, but the tournament. Wisconsin's 10th in Ken Palm. They are number 10. They are the one of two teams. Makes no sense. One of, they are one of two teams not seeded above a two seed in the top 10. The other is Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago, an eight seed, is ninth in Ken Palm. Uh, and UNC, they came out of late and they're a good team inside. They're 28, so that's a big gap for an 8-9 game. It's 18 spots there. I watched a ton of Wisconsin basketball this year. I think they can really slow down this pace. UNC does not like playing at that pace. And aside from the Ken Palm thing, because I know you don't like it, just eyeball test watching these teams all year. If Wisconsin plays their slowed-down version of the game, UNC is going to hate it, and they're not going to be able to, to find their rhythm, and Wisconsin probably wins it by five or six. And that's the key is the style of play because the closest thing North Carolina sees to Wisconsin is Virginia and they don't play very well against Virginia and Wisconsin 
is a better version than Virginia, even though Virginia's a four, right, and Wisconsin's an eight. Wisconsin just had to get out of the Big Ten. I mean, they had lost eight straight to ranked teams. They clearly just – they needed something else to see a different style of play. They're going to get that in Carolina. UNC's got the best front court in college basketball, but their guard play is where they really struggle. And in the tournament, we know it's all about guard play. Wisconsin's got Trice and Davidson and Aline Ford, all seniors. They know what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, the one interesting thing, Roy Williams, 17-0 and 0 in the first round of the NCAA the tournament. Thing. That's the, the stupidest thing. stat I've seen <laughs> all ridiculous. week. So, um, uh, so, yeah, that's the thing about thing. that, though. How many times has he ever been this low of a seed? But that's the so thing. He's always right, right. had. He's usually has a cupcake in the first round, and the years that he hasn't had a good seed, they've been totally down years for UNC. Uh, you know where where they might have missed the tournament. So um, you look at Wisconsin in this matchup, and I think it's just perfect for them. And you mentioned that they're just a slightly better version of Virginia. Wisconsin's 10 and Ken Palm, Virginia's 11. So they do just edge them <laughs> And out. when you talked about, you know, Gonzaga got such an easy 8-9 matchup, Baylor's like, really? We got it. We win our game and we got to play either UNC or Wisconsin? Like, no thank you. I mean, they'll win probably, but that is not an easy 8-9 uh, task. Now, 5-12 game, Joe, this will be a very popular upset because a lot of people – We'll know about the Villanova injuries and Colin Gillespie, and then they'll see that 12-seed Winthrop with that 23-1 and next to their name, and they'll be like, hello. Because everybody is so down on Nova, and I, you know, Winthrop will be such oh, a Oh, you're going opposite pick. of me with Colorado and Georgetown on this Absolutely. Same, I'm same on, mindset. I'm on Villanova. And again, Villanova struggled to end the year, but that Georgetown game, even though they lost it, I mentioned they had to hit every single one of their 23 free throws to pull off the upset. Those guys that have have started to play because um, Gillespie and Justin Moore have been out, they're now getting a little more experience. And it's it's Jay Wright in the tournament. It seems like he either goes all the way or he loses in the first couple rounds. I think he loses in the next round. But I think he, he does uh, find a way to beat Winthrop in this 5-12 game. Now, this is one of those where, for me, it comes down to uh, more of the motivation and mindset in a game. Uh, matchup-wise, you could go either way on this. Is it a good matchup for Winthrop? Is it not? Um, this is one of those teams, PJ, that won their conference tournament last year, under the radar, mid-major, excited to go to the NCAA tournament. Tournament doesn't happen. What do they do? They rally. They go 23-1. and They win their conference tournament again, and here they are. And for me, there's power in that, that they can't be stopped, and they're going to win a game. And on top of that, Villanova not only looked like a shell of themselves in the game without Gillespie after he got hurt, they weren't playing well before Gillespie got hurt. So I think that's one of the perceptions right now around Villanova that's still going to lead a lot of people to pick them. It's that – it's that, oh, you know, they were playing great until Gillespie got hurt, but maybe they'll find it. They weren't playing well with him in the lineup. It was just a team that the arrow was trending way, way down. Um, I know, like, you know, like I said before, vice versa of me picking against Georgetown. Uh, it's same same mindset here where you're just fading the the, the public on, on picking against Villanova. But I'm going to go with Winthrop here in this 12-5. And then Purdue, North Texas, this will be a game first to 50. I was watching that <laughs> North Texas 
and Western Kentucky's Conference USA Championship game, and it was a bloodbath. Defensive struggle. There's a reason the spread is seven and a half, and I think it's just because Vegas doesn't think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's just going to be close. Mm -hmm. Purdue, though, again, when you play Purdue with their size as a mid-major, I mean, they got 7-3 Zach Eady. They got 6-11 Trayvon Williams. Mm -hmm. The only thing that concerns me about Purdue is that their guards pretty much are all freshmen. So this is their first taste of – tournament ball um they went to overtime against ohio state they were down 18 at half but came all the way back to force it to ot but matt painter um as a coach you know i've mentioned unbelievable in the regular season but his teams just they they haven't been as good as they should be in in the tournament they got a really favorable draw with nova's the five seed right next to them they should be able to go to the sweet 16 which i think they do and i think it starts with the win over north texas yeah, I agree with everything you said. Purdue is a team that I don't want to see next year. Next year, they are yeah. going to be – don't be surprised if you see Purdue on a one or a two line next Definitely. year as a legit national title contender. Um, I tweeted a couple of days ago, don't be surprised to see this team make the Elite Eight. I don't have them going that far. I do have Baylor ultimately beating them, but wouldn't stun me with the way they play and with the, the talent they have. I got them no problem against – well, I shouldn't say no problem. It's probably going to be – a closer game because of the fact that it's low scoring like you said but it's going to be one of those lower scoring games where never at any point do you feel like Purdue is going to lose it like they might be up by six to eight the whole game and it's going to feel like they won by 20 just because how low scoring it is so I got them past North Texas and and I've got that 412 Winthrop and then one nine Wisconsin in the second round going to the lower half of this portion of the bracket Uh, very interesting matchup with Texas Tech and Utah State Utah State I think was really rated higher than they should have by the committee. There's so much talk about would they be even in the tournament if they do, they're in a play-in game, and they're just safely on an 11 line. Mm-hmm. So they really love Utah State, uh, but I love me some Chris Beard and Texas Tech, and it's going to be a more interesting, closer game, I think, than people realize, just looking at the names of the schools and perceptions of them. Uh, but I do have Texas Tech going through. So this was a game originally I went through, I picked Texas Tech, I go back through it, and I'm like, you know, again, Texas Tech's been a team where I just watch them, and they're just not what I think they should be. And I'm going with the upset. Spread's only four and a half, and I think that tells you a lot about how close these teams really are and when you don't realize it to the naked eye. But, I mean, look, Chris Beard's an unbelievable coach, but – the guy's not going to win a first round game every year. I just think this team is missing something. Roy Williams does. <laughs> well, I, you know, originally I had Texas tech in my sweet 16. I thought they were going to beat Utah state and beat Arkansas. And then I just started looking at that matchup. And like I said, with Oregon VCU every year, there's a seven ten game that kind of catches you by surprise. There's a six eleven game as well. And you look at the rest of the six eleven games and, you know, a lot of people like 11 seed Michigan state, Six-seeded USC, a lot of people will like them. San Diego State, Syracuse could be a coin flip. But this is the game that a lot of people will see, and they'll just be like Texas Tech, Chris Beard, Mac McClung. But I think Utah State uh, is going to win the game and and surprise some people. Wouldn't stun me, but not picking it. Uh, Another one that wouldn't stun me is Colgate beating Arkansas because this game, flip side of Purdue North Texas being first to 50, this game might be first to 100 with the way these offenses play. And if Colgate is hot, you never know, uh, but I'm going to go with Arkansas. Too much talent. Moody is, you know, that team is completely transformed in the last month and a half, and, and you've seen it firsthand in the SEC. Um, one of those teams that 
probably entering the month of February, six seed ish, mm-hmm. end up on a three line and very hot. So not picking against them. Uh, really intrigued when we get to it now by this Florida Virginia Tech matchup. Love Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech's been one of the teams that has really been bothered by COVID. They they were hot to start the year, then they had the COVID pause, and then they came back, and they just really weren't quite the same. And then they found themselves again, and then uh, a little a break as well. But uh, Florida, you know, is just one of those teams. Again, they won never impressed me all year. They they won at West Virginia. They've beaten Tennessee at home, but then they'll get waxed by Kentucky at home. Mm-hmm. Them and Missouri are really, really similar teams. Um, but Virginia Tech, I love their coach, Mike Young. He was the coach at Wofford with Fletcher McGee and all those guys. I love his style of ball and how it translates into March with a three-point shot. And they gave North Carolina everything they could handle in that ACC game. They showed me a lot. And when a 10 seed is favored over a seven seed, that tells you a lot. It's a pick em right now. Virginia Tech's favored by a point in some spots. I like the Hokies over the Gators. For sure. And we breeze past for on your end, at least, at Arkansas. Colgate game, I assume you also had Arkansas. And yes, I do game. like Arkansas. Uh, and then Ohio State, Oral Roberts. We're going Ohio State. Yes. Not much needs to be said there. Uh, except for the fact that Oral Roberts does have, uh, if I'm remembering Leading my score lower in the country. Seed, yes, yes. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm remembering my lower seeds correctly, <laughs> uh, Max Adam is low, the, among the lower seeds, highest scoring player in the country. So, Fun to watch, maybe in a loss, but uh, yes, Ohio State, Virginia Tech is what we have out of that. Yep. And Ohio State, same, uh, and and I'll save analysis for Ohio State till actually we get them into a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech, I do like against Arkansas. You said you thought about it, but you ended up going Utah State. My question for you then would be if you would have had Texas Tech over Utah State, similar to the Oregon VCU conversation we had earlier, would you have had them against Arkansas still? I would. I would have. Yes, I would have. (laughs) So there you go. So So, I got Texas Tech over Arkansas, and then I assume you have Arkansas over Utah State. I do. Uh, Yep, I have Arkansas over Utah State. I have Purdue over Villanova. I'm sure you have Purdue over Winthrop. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, Baylor-Wisconsin will be a really good game, but Baylor is just so good defensively, and with how Wisconsin plays and the limited possessions that they'll get on offense, I just don't think that they're going to have enough possessions to to beat Baylor. I hated this bracket for one reason, and it's that the NCAA probably listens to our podcast and just wanted to screw me. You know how much I'm high on the Big Ten? You know how much I'm high on Baylor. Here's Baylor's path to the title uh, based on the way I have it. Wisconsin, Purdue, Ohio State, Same. Illinois. So I have my my baby in Baylor that I've loved all year going up in every single round against the Big Ten, and I hated that. But I have them over Wisconsin. I have them over Purdue. Wouldn't be stunned to see them lose to Purdue. But I do think they have a more favorable, comfortable matchup against Ohio State. I think Purdue – of that path to the Final Four is the toughest matchup for Baylor. Uh, and then I have Texas Tech, Ohio State. Really, really intrigued by that matchup. Um, would love to see it. I do think, though, just with – Liddell would overwhelm Texas Tech, I think, in that matchup and give us that 1-2 Baylor, Ohio State. Yeah, the big thing with Ohio State is what's the deal with Kyle Young. They almost beat Illinois in the Big Ten championship game without him, but such a key part of their team, especially if they were to play a team like Texas Tech where you need that physicality. Um, I'm with you on Baylor against Purdue. I think they'd win that game. I like Ohio State over Arkansas. But in the Elite Eight, I'm going with Ohio State over Baylor. Ohio State scores a lot of points. That game would be a shootout. 
And I think if they're hitting their shots, they can they can take down the Bears and they will get to the Final Four. For me, it just comes down to um, Baylor. Look, they, they stumbled a little bit post-COVID pause, barely beat Iowa State, lost to Kansas. They found their legs after that and continued to dominate teams until Oklahoma State in the tournament. And look, it was just – they just collapsed. Like they were up 65, 60. And then Oklahoma state went on a Cade Cunningham led run. And that was it. Right. Uh, it didn't, it didn't really change my perception of Baylor at all. Um, just the names on this team. I mean, Jared Butler, Macy O.T., Davion Mitchell, Sean Wachachua, um, you know, Mark, Vi- Mark, uh, Mark Vital, all these guys. Uh, it's just too much. It's it just too much. Ohio state would have to have a perfect game shooting the ball from deep. Um, I think, Liddell would get really frustrated inside in this game because of Joshua and vital. So you negate him and you put the onus entirely on Ohio state hitting their threes. But Oh, by the way, you yourself hit a ridiculous amount of threes and have an all American player in Butler who is running the point and leading the way for you. So tough matchup. I do think the, like I said, the, the Purdue game gives Baylor more trouble because of the slower pace and how big Purdue is down low but I have them getting through uh, against Ohio state with a little bit more ease. And then the final region, uh, what a great region this is the players in, in these re- in this region, um, Illinois against Drexel. We both like Illinois. I felt so bad for Georgia tech. You win the ACC. You have such a nice little end of your season. And then they match you up with the ninth ranked team. Yeah. He's going to be there. So come on now. Sucks like, for Georgia tech. So <laughs> you're on Loyola as well. You know, I'm on, on Loyola, on obviously Loyola. on Illinois. Um, this five, 12, four, 13 portion of the bracket was interesting to me. Mm. I know you love Liberty, Oregon state, similar to Georgetown, incredibly hot, won their tournament. That was their only ticket in. I don't love Tennessee. Fulkerson's face looks like yeah. very scary. And Not I hope great. he's okay. I don't think yep. he's, I don't think he's playing. I don't know if they've announced that yet, but I don't believe he's playing after seeing the way he looked and knowing. Yeah, I haven't announced it was. yet, but I'd be surprised. Um, so so they're gonna be down him, but I think they have enough to still get past Oregon State. Oklahoma State Liberty it is a tough matchup, but at the end of the day, I'm just putting my faith in Kate Cunningham to carry this team, put it on his back and We've talked for a couple of weeks now how they're not just Cade Cunningham, even though that's the perception. They have a lot of other talent as well. So I like Oklahoma State to get through and to beat Tennessee. I, I really like this team. And I like Tennessee against Oregon State as well, even without Fulkerson. Two possible lottery picks, uh, Springer and Keon Johnson. Oak State and Liberty, though, I like Liberty to upset Oak State because, again, the style of play in the Big 12, they're never they're not going to see anything close to Liberty. Yeah. Uh, they play the second slowest pace of college basketball behind Virginia. They're comfortable playing in that style. Oklahoma State, with all their athletes and their great guards, they're going to want to get out and run and gun. And when Liberty's slowing down the game, they are freshmen. And Mike Boynton's coaching in his first NCAA tournament. I just don't know how they're going to react to all that. So I I do like Liberty to pull off the upset. What I do see in this game is this being one of those games where people are like, oh, wow, upset brewing. Liberty is up by six at halftime. And then Oklahoma State comes out and wins the second half by like 15 points. That's how I see this game playing out. 
Uh, so I do go Oklahoma State. By the way, this quadrant of the bracket brought to you by the color orange with Illinois, Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Syracuse, and Clemson. So there's there's a very in that very true. Yeah, Texas the, clearly the uh, didn't get the <laughs> didn't slot get the in there. I don't know why. And they could have been the three seed here too. You could have just flip flopped them with West Virginia. It's a great twelve point. teams. They could have just could've. got got it forward entirely. But getting into the bottom half of this quadrant, then now San Diego State and Syracuse is going to be another very low scoring yes. game. Uh, we've talked about this between us, San Diego state going up against that Syracuse zone is going to be very interesting to see, but San Diego state, like I was talking about before with Winthrop, they were going to be on a one or two line last year. Tournament doesn't happen. They were my pick to win the national title last year. If there was a tournament. Wow. Um, so I really like the San Diego state team. Uh, they obviously lost some members of last year's team, but there's still enough of the skeleton there and they are themselves a very, very good defensive team. Opponents averaging just 60 points against them this season. So I think as much as they're going to have trouble with Syracuse's zone, Syracuse has at times looked totally disjointed this year. They're going to have a ton of problems with San Diego State. Syracuse, except for that one two-point win against UNC, 0-7 against quad one teams. That was their lone quad one win. It's not an impressive resume. They did get hot on the heels of Buddy Beheim scoring like crazy in the ACC tournament, but I just don't think they have what it takes here. And it's another one of those just big uh, – big Ken Palm disparities. You got Syracuse down at 41. You got San Diego state at 20. So I'm going to go with San Diego state. And I do like them beyond this round as well. Two things. I love uh, why I'm taking Syracuse in this game. It's, it's the zone. I mean, until you face it, you can watch film, you can scout for it, you can prepare for it, but until you get out there in live game action and face it, uh, and for a San Diego state team that really doesn't love the three ball, they want to play physical inside, get to the foul line. Don't think it's a good matchup for him. But also Jim Beheim. I was listening uh, when they were playing Virginia and Sean McDonough was saying on the broadcast, who's been on this pod, he said uh, Beheim told him that the way they're playing right now down the stretch, there's not many teams they can't beat. And we know Jim Beheim won't say something unless he thinks yep. it's true. So, uh, look, this will be a great game. San Diego State's favored for a reason. They're a six seed for a reason. They won 14 straight to close out their season. They're scorching hot right now. But that zone is the great equalizer. Buddy Beheim's going to hit about five or six threes, and I like Syracuse. Well, it surprised me, but I'm going San Diego State. Uh, West Virginia against Moorhead State, no issues for me there. I do like Rutgers over Clemson. Rutgers, I do believe, is also favored against Clemson. And you, what you mentioned before uh, with the other 10-7 game being uh, – Virginia Tech, Florida, when a 10 seeds favorite, it tells you something. Rutgers is favored. I saw Clemson this year, besides being in the uh, ACC and, and, and against, in those games, I saw them against Maryland this year. And I, from, from seeing Maryland play Clemson and from seeing Maryland play Rutgers, I do like this matchup for Rutgers, and I go Rutgers. With you on West Virginia, of all the 314 games, I know you like Abilene. Moorhead might be mine uh, for me to pull off the upset against West Virginia. 710 game, Rutgers Clemson. I mean, this is this is tough. You talk about Purdue North Texas, this could be the same kind of thing, first to 50. I took Clemson Joe and I took them for one reason. I looked around the rest of the bracket. I had Oklahoma winning in the first round. I had Bama winning in the first round. I had Ohio state winning in the first round. I'm like, let's just make this college football. (laughs) Let's take Clemson in the first round. And that's my reasoning behind that because I mean, this game is truly a toss up. And it doesn't matter because Houston's probably winning the second. That is correct. When it, it, when it comes to first round matchups, if I'm really that torn, 
if I have whoever wins losing the second round anyway, I just go with my gut and just move on. And that's, that happened a bunch this year. This is one of those games where I was back and forth. I was like, ah, you know what? Houston's beating whoever comes out of it anyway. So I'm going to go with my gut and say Rutgers. And I'm not going to put too much research into this anymore. So and, I want to pick Rutgers. I mean, I, I love the fact that this is their first tournament since 93. That's part right? of it too. I mean, it, you know, it's, like, it's, almost, it's 30 years almost. I'll be rooting for them yeah. because again, I have Clemson losing to Houston, but uh, I just picked Clemson. And then I got Houston. But Joe, your big upset of the tourney was Abilene Christian, and mine is Loyola Chicago over Illinois. You hate Illinois. I don't hate them. Can I tell you, they grew (laughs) on me the most of any team down the stretch. I know I was hard on them all year. I told you I didn't think they were as good as people thought, but they are the real deal. I really do like them. And it's not just it's not just Desumu and Coburn. I I Curbelo is incredible, and the X Factor Frazier's incredible. Adam Miller's great. They're all good. Coburn. Like they are, they're loaded. You and thought it was fine. the Sumu and Coburn the whole year. I just, no, no, no. I, I just thought I don't like when people think that it's just two players. I like teams. And, when and they, are players, team. they are a they're team. They are a team. But when two players take so much of the headlines away from okay, the team. Okay, headlines, yes. Headlines, yes. But during this last stretch that he's gotten hot the last month or so, Curbelo's averaging like 18 a game, I think it was too. So they're, they've been tremendous down the stretch as a whole. Look, Loyola has the best defense in the country. They're going to keep this game ugly. And what I love about them is how they run their offense. And they have Cam Crutwig, who's the college Jokic. He just stands on that three-point line, run the offense through him, dribble handoffs, take Coburn off the bounce. It's going to be beautiful. Sister Jean's in the building. Are you kidding me? I, I, I mean, you just what, got upset all what, over. After, after I heard she was in the building, I started shaking a little bit. But This is all um, – I mean, look, look, and Ken Palm. What's Illinois and Ken Palm? Me. Are they three on me? Illinois and Ken Palm is number three. Three. And Loyola Chicago is number nine. And we're getting this game in the second round. Here's the disparity, though. Here's the thing. Uh, Look, obviously, it's weighted and it's more math than I can understand. But you get the, the rankings based on the combination of adjusted offensive and adjusted defensive efficiency. Loyola Chicago is tremendous defensively, and they're number one in adjusted defensive efficiency, but they're 49th in offense. Illinois is five in defense, seven in offense, just way more of a complete team, obviously. And I, I think Crutwig for, I love Loyola Chicago. I was hoping to have them in a spot where I could put them in the sweet 16 and have another run for them. But I just think they're a terrible matchup against Illinois because they go through Crutwig and with Bajanashvili and Coburn, I think they neutralize Crutwig. And if you neutralize Crutwig, that team doesn't have a ton else. So I go Illinois. Um, it wouldn't stun me. And it goes back to that, what I said about Abilene and Texas, where it's little brother in the state against the state's, one of the state's marquee things. Wouldn't stun me, but just matchup wise, there's nothing that about this matchup that would lead me to pick Loyola Chicago. So I'm going to Illinois. Uh, and then it brings a very fun, interesting matchup that I hope we get of Illinois Io DeSumo, Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham. I really want to see that, uh, and and I'm I've got it pegged to to be that. I've got Illinois all the way through though uh, to the Elite Eight, where I have them. This is my big upset from this portion of the bracket. I've got San Diego State beating West Virginia. Love that matchup for San Diego State. I've got San Diego State beating Houston. Houston wow. did not sell me a lot this year. Houston 
I've seen a bunch of Houston games because I had a college basketball fantasy team this year, and Quentin Grimes was my guy. Um, so I've watched a lot of Houston this year. They did not impress me in the games that I've watched. They had some close ones against Memphis. Uh, I just don't love the way they play. Um, they're a lot of people's sleeper team to, to make the Final Four, and that's fine. Also, wouldn't stun me. It's very, you, you've heard me say wouldn't stun me a lot in this podcast because this bracket – after not having one last year, they gave us an incredibly difficult one to predict this year. Um, but I do like the way San Diego State matches up. I'm going to go San Diego State against Illinois, in which case I've got Illinois in my final four. And so I got Loyola beating Illinois. I got Tennessee beating Liberty. I got Tennessee getting the Elite Eight over Loyola. And SEC, then I, surprise, surprise. Uh, SEC. <laughs> and then I got uh, Syracuse over West Virginia. Again, the zone. I think Syracuse gets to the Sweet 16. I got Houston over Clemson, and then I got Houston beating Syracuse in the Sweet 16. The one thing about the zone is that it allows a lot of chances for offensive rebounding, Mm -hmm. and Houston's one of the top two teams in offensive rebounding. I think they get to the Elite Eight, and then I think they beat Tennessee, and Houston gets to the Final Four in the Midwest region. region of the bracket, and we've known this all along, uh, this region – plus the Michigan, it's going to decide every bracket pool. Like the Baylor-Gonzaga portion of the bracket is not going to have much impact. In this portion, I think as hot of a pick as Illinois is, there's other – there's very attractive moments to have them lose, whether it's to Loyola, whether it's to Cade Cunningham, whether it's to Houston, who's a dark horse team. And then on the flip side, that other quadrant where Michigan is, you could see Bama, Florida State. A lot of people obviously still do believe in Michigan – UConn's a sleeper pick. Texas. Those, Texas, a lot of people those Texas. two regions determine everything in terms of the bracket this year Definitely. as far as bracket pools go. Uh, and you can just see that, by the way. How, how different are we here? You have Illinois – excuse me, you have Loyola, Chicago, Tennessee, Syracuse, Houston. I have Illinois, Oklahoma State, San Diego State, Houston. That's three out three of four different, different in the Sweet 16. Yep. So this is this is a big reason. Look, and Loyola probably could lose. I just I know everybody will, on this side of the region is going to have Gonzaga versus either Baylor or Illinois in mm-hmm. their finals, and it just it never works out when everybody is on the same championship matchup. It really never works out that way. And Illinois, they're playing better than any team right now in the country, even better than Gonzaga. I mean, they're mm-hmm. on fire. I, I just. When you go up against a mid-major like Loyola Chicago, who is two guys that have been to the Final Four, that are seniors now, they have a coach that's been to a Final Four. I, I don't know. We'll so see I got I got for the first time since 2015, three, three one-seeds in the Final Four. I already said Gonzaga over Bama. I've got Illinois over Baylor. I think the, the one thing that – of all the teams that could match up with Baylor, it's Illinois because they could play with them inside with Coburn and Bajanashvili. And then you got those three guys in Curbelo, Frazier, and DeSumo on the outside. They match up so well against Baylor. Uh, and it, after running the gauntlet of Big Ten teams, I think Baylor stumbles against Illinois after getting through Wisconsin, Purdue, and Ohio State. Sets up Gonzaga, Illinois for me, um, which is probably the popular championship pick. But the, prop, the, the most popular championship winners, Gonzaga, I'm going Illinois. Uh, mm. I, I've, I've stayed on the Big Ten all year. I am probably overly infatuated with Illinois because they remind me so much of last year's Maryland team. But I think this Illinois team is a way better version of that Maryland team because they have more pieces and they're better coached. And I just think going up against every single team, 
nobody could match up with them. It's got to be a terrible day for Illinois. It's got to be a good day for who they go up against until the final four, obviously, when the, the talent level closes. But just with Desubu as a sophomore guard who probably should have already gone to the NBA, with, I mean, as a junior guard, excuse me, with Coburn as a, as a sophomore big man who probably could have and should have gone to the NBA, like they shouldn't have the talent they do, but they do, and they stayed, and now they're going to reap the benefits of it, I think. And uh, so I got Ohio State beating Houston in the Final Four, getting the national championship against Gonzaga, who will beat Florida State. And, you know, it's not that I don't think anybody can beat Gonzaga. It's just that the teams I have them going up against, I just think that they can – they'll beat all of them. Their path out of the West uh, – the committee, I mean, yeah. just really gift-wrapped it to them. Florida State could give Gonzaga some problems um, because of how deep Florida State is. And Gonzaga really only plays like six or seven guys. But Gonzaga's offense is too much. And then I think if they play Ohio State, they'll beat them. So, I will I, say this. The, the Gonzaga final matchup for me, whether it's Illinois or Baylor, who are my two teams in the Final Four on that side, I think Gonzaga would lose to either Baylor or Illinois. So no matter which way I had it, I was not going to have Gonzaga winning at all. Okay, very interesting. Um, all right, so we're bringing best bets back because we are just for the first round. Just I for, mean, or maybe just... we'll do it next week too, but at least for now, just for the first round. So much action. Um, all right, so five bets from Friday, five bets from Saturday. I'll start it off on Friday. My number five game: Morehead State, West Virginia over one thirty-eight. The, the over-under isn't too high because Moorhead really only scores in the 60s or 70s, but the two times this year they played Belmont, they got into the 80s. So that tells me that they can adjust to the team they're playing against. We know West Virginia can score in the 80s, so I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, and that game goes over 138. Utah State uh, plus 4.5 versus Texas Tech. I told you I think the Aggies will pull off the upset and take out Texas Tech. Wisconsin plus one and a half versus UNC, pretty much a pick them. I like the Badgers. Their style of play is going to frustrate UNC, and all those seniors should help them out with their experience. Tennessee minus seven and a half versus Oregon State. Oregon State got hot at the right time, and uh, they, you know, congrats to them on making the tournament. They had to beat UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado, three tournament teams to do it. But Tennessee's defense is just too much. Rick Barnes, 1-11 against te- against seeds that are higher than him. But against lower-seeded teams, he does damage. And then Virginia Tech, pick them against Florida. We mentioned we both like Tech in the 10-7 game. And I think the Hokies will beat Florida. And that is the first game of the day on Friday. So hopefully I'm getting off to a good start. I'm going with a lot of value for my best bets here. Uh, for number five, I like that first half money line Liberty mm. over Oklahoma State at okay. plus 200. Okay. Plus 200 there. I'm going to go with Ohio plus 280 against Virginia. Love that game. Absolutely love it for all the reasons we talked about earlier. And number three, going under 139 in San Diego State, Syracuse. I think San Diego State's going to have trouble with the zone. I think Syracuse is going to have trouble against one of the top defenses in the country, allowing only 60 points per game. I think the winner of that game probably pulls up in the low 60s. And then beyond that, I like, like you, Wisconsin at even money. And then I'm going to go for my number one best bet of Friday. Uh, I don't want to agree with you again, but I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and pick Virginia Tech at minus 112 against Florida. So I'm going all value for, for this first round. Uh, because you know what, in, in, in a tournament like this, 
you don't want to get yourself caught going out with, with some favorites unless you're really confident because we know how, how that first two days of March Madness can yes. be. So I'm going with, I'm going with value for my best bets with all those for Friday. All right. So you took, did you take Ohio seven and a half or money line? Money line, 280. Money line. Okay. Okay. And then what was the under for San Diego State? One, 139. 139. All right. Sounds good. Wisconsin money line, Virginia Tech money line. Nice. All right. Saturday for me, uh, the last game of the first round on Saturday night, VCU in Oregon. I like VCU plus five and a half. Um, oh, I have Ohio as a Saturday game, not a Friday game. Oh, does it? Yeah. All right. Flip that. Put that to my Saturday. And let yeah. Me give me one more Friday play. Well, let me give you another Friday play then. I had that mixed up. Uh, that game. Oh, that game is on Saturday. I was like, I, I could have sworn <laughs> I took Ohio too. No, yeah, no, that game is a Saturday game. You're absolutely right. Uh, hold on, let me just give you something else real quick then, because that's uh, that's dumb of me. You think uh, about that? Me, no, oh, I got it. I got yeah, it. I got go it. I found go it. I found it. Uh, give me in the first half of Purdue, North Texas. The first half total is sixty. Give me under. That game at halftime is going to be like twenty-two to twenty. <laughs> First half under 60. Joe, you're Purdue, really North becoming Texas. a professional taking some first halves. <laughs> I mean, you really uh, – um, Saturday, uh, for me, I like VCU plus five and a half against Oregon. I like Ohio plus seven against Virginia. I like them with the points. It worries me how trendy they are, but I think they'll cover the seven number. Iona, I told you, look, when Rick Pitino's your head coach, Bama's the better team. Iona's gotten hot because of Pitino. But 16 and a half, just – too many points. I like Iona to cover the big number. St. Bonaventure, I told you how much I love them. My favorite pick, really, of the entire first round. I like the money line plus 105. And then Georgetown, I like them outright, but take the points because I think it's going to be a close game. Because of McKinley Wright, Colorado could win it at the end, but it's going to be close. I like the Hoyas plus five. All right, so you already got my number five, which is Ohio plus 280 since I mixed up the days. Yep. Uh, then beyond that, I like over 145 in Iowa Grand Canyon. Iowa can't stop anything. Grand Canyon's a fun team. That game probably ends up in the I mean, I think this is really, really um a mistake here. I think this game ends up something like 85 to 70. So Iowa covering that uh 14 and a half by 15 points, mm. but that would give you 155, which is 10 over the total. So I think that it's it's a uh, mistakenly issued total there so i like over 145 um i'm gonna take the points this time and not be as confident as i was in the um ohio game i'm gonna take the points with abilene christian it's at nine abilene christian plus nine give me the under in the maryland yukon game 130 and a half it convinced me and then my number one which i was saving again i'll take the points here not as confident as the ohio game uh uc santa barbara plus seven and a half against Creighton. All right, you see Santa Barbara plus seven and a half versus Creighton. All right, very nice. So, uh, yeah, those are our five plays from Friday and Saturday. We'll see how we do. Great job, too, by uh, all the books to get those lines out. I mean, oh, yeah. quick. Uh, they know. They know they're trying to make their money. So, uh so that was good. All right, Joe, last thing there is to do is some trivia. You are up. 16 to 15 and i assume we both have march madness related we do trivia. okay um you uh you you can give me your question first. all right i like this one for you um so 
of the teams in the tournament this year, of this year's field of 68, we have one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have more than 20 appearances without reaching the final four. I want you to give me five of the six teams. 20 appearances without making the final four. It's a good question. Um, Florida State? No. Ooh. Um, let's see. Wow. 20 or more appearances without making the final four. Purdue? No. Oh, I'm not good. <laughs> um, let's see. Let me go through it. Gonzaga has made it. Oklahoma, Missouri. 30 seconds down a minute to go. Iowa, Kansas, Oregon. Gosh, this is tough. Tennessee, West Virginia. Oh, I'll go Tennessee. Tennessee is one of them, 23 years. Okay. Um, I'll go Texas. Nope. Damn. No, Texas. Uh, so I feel I, I, was debating, I was debating how many teams I wanted to make it get. Five was probably too high, but the fact that you didn't even come close to that makes me at least feel better about myself, where it's not like I said, oh, give me five, and you gave me three. So the fact that you really feel like that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you'd get a gimme, which is why I said five. Bama's one of them. It's been 21 years. So I, so, thought, you'd, I thought you'd get Bama right out of the gates. Oh, is the question how many years they've been – how many years it's been – or it was how many appearances, right? Most they've appearances been appearances without yeah. a Final Four, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about them, but I didn't think they had been that many times. I thought you'd know and get Bama. Uh, you got Tennessee, and especially being that it was another SEC school, I thought you'd get Missouri. Uh, but thinking the about them. Are, the teams are BYU, Mizzou, Tennessee, Creighton, Utah State, and Alabama. The teams. Oh, yeah. Most you, appearances without reaching a Final Four. Utah State, I would not have gotten. Creighton was floating through my mind, but uh, I mean, Bam, I should have got. I just didn't think they had been that many times. So, very good question. You got me there. Mine for you is uh, of the top ten teams in NCAA history with the most tournament victories. There are four that are not in the NCAA tournament this year. Can you name those four? Most tournament wins. Yes. And four are not in the tournament. Mm-hmm. All right. Four the. Of the top 10. For yeah. these, yeah, in the top 10. Duke and Kentucky. Two. Okay. I assume you knew that I was going to get those two. So here's the <laughs> I part did. Of what the other ones are. Um, all right. UCLA doesn't count because they're technically. Correct. The they are in. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. They're in. Because um, otherwise they would be one of the teams. So in the big 10, Indiana. Correct. Three. All one right. more. Um, none of the old Big East teams are out. Ooh, St. John's got a good history. The other old Big East teams are Georgetown, Cuse, UConn. They're all in. Big Ten. I don't think there's anybody missing. That's a historic team, though. Big Twelve. Nobody missing that's a historic team. Pac-12, nobody missing that's a historic team. I'll say St. John's. Not St. John's. Not St. John's. I still still got two strikes then. 20 Um, seconds. Wow. Missed it. Um, Oof, this last team's going to haunt me. Um, 10 seconds. I don't even even have guesses, really. It's it's just 
It's a really tough one. Nothing, just um, going blank. I, I'm going totally blank. I'll say just to say something like Butler and um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, that's, there's nothing. Uh, Louisville was the last team. Oh, okay. Louisville was the last team. You said no historic teams in the Pac-12. I thought maybe Arizona would be a guess. They were not uh, one. True, true. But, uh, Louisville, but I, yeah, you know, Louisville. I, if I thought about it long enough, I might have come across Louisville. I might have so, done it. So we stay at 16-15. Uh, Joe, well done. Good luck to you on your brackets and your best bets. I uh, The one thing we haven't talked about is that we could possibly have a Bar- Bama-Maryland um Round of 32 game. And that was both the women and the men. Very true. Men, it's two seed Bama, 10 seed Maryland. Women, it's two seed Maryland, seven seed Bama. Yep. So uh, both of them. They they absolutely could meet. It should be a great uh, first two days as it always is. And if you made it through the entirety of this podcast, kudos to you. You knew we were going to run long on this one going through the brackets. And we had to follow that. Hopefully you did too. We're releasing this this week. Thursday, as soon as I could possibly get it out after the Travis interview when you're hearing this. Uh, so hopefully it helps you in time to set some of your brackets. Definitely. Thanks again to Trav for joining us, everybody. Enjoy the madness, and we'll see you next week.